Welcome back, fatties. I appreciate you fine food bees for listening every week and leaving those reviews on the Apple Podcast Store. So as promised, end of this episode, I'm giving away to a very special fatty an exclusive This Mug Is For Ketchup mug. So I'll be reading the winning review at the very end of this podcast. So if you're listening right now and haven't left a review yet, go leave a review and leave your Instagram handle and you will be eligible for next week's giveaway. But today, today, today we got a good one. I can feel it in my bones. That's also probably the arthritis. But on the catch up, our goal has been to talk with as many different people as possible. And see how food keeps connecting us. I feel like we've done a pretty decent job. Just just the people that have been on this yeah. podcast have been connecting. Yeah. Like it's it's amazing. Chefs, bartenders, felons, professional wrestlers, Wolfgang Puck even came on. We had a three hour conversation <laughs> with a boba ball dealer. Yeah. Yeah, man, he was that was amazing. So we continue that journey today with our guest. She's an epic food photographer she's a recipe creator and influencer she hosted an episode of food beast chomping grounds which is probably my favorite one of that series uh she shows us her favorite restaurants around orange county's little saigon and that video now has almost three million millie. views three Ooh. millie club she's a mother of three or five if you count us yeah if you count yeah. jeff and i yeah because yeah she brings us coconut water to the events and oh i'm not talking God. about i'm not talking about like a coconut water you buy at the store i'm talking about she takes the tops off of coconuts Live. and delivers them in the middle of a hot day at our food festivals yes that's very very thoughtful she's she's the closest thing to team mom of food beast she makes mothering she makes the food game look so easy so we want to learn a little bit more connie mrs oc comestibles welcome to the food beast catch-up welcome to the catch-up introducing your hosts eli aruth editor and jeffrey cutnick ceo and apparently the only guy who takes this podcast seriously of the craziest, most bestest, news-breaking, food porn peddling, viral website on the dot coms. It's crazy when your future is decided by an algorithm. Dude, this pizza is fucking crazy. There's not one person in this entire world that believes you. Alright. And welcome to the catch-up. <laughs> Connie, I'm I'm so curious about where where you think your story with food begins. And I think for a lot of us it's potentially the meals that we were served as kids or within our own culture, but I'm curious about when you started noticing uh, a passion for for food specifically and where was that? Um, a passion for food. Actually, how I started just I want to learn how to use my camera. Huh. From there, and um, I didn't actually my DSLR is what I want to learn, and then from there, um, my son says start an Instagram and post picture every day, and take yeah. So I had to carry my big DSLR to restaurants, and every time I cook, I just shoot, and then just to my I promised myself to post every single day, and starting from zero followers, I was getting kind of like 
discouraged or like nobody's following and stuff but um eventually it was really cool because my photography got caught on with uh, repost by beautiful cuisines mm. and then food and wine and so that's how um it got started and then because of food it's easy to take picture because they don't move but <laughs> so, people they move so it's harder and so my passion has always been um food's always been a passion because food brings people together you know like when you cook or when you have host family and it's something that um i i just enjoy bringing people together through the food and when we get together there has to be food without food it's really hard for people to engage i that's how i think how how long ago was this how long ago did you start taking pictures of food and that was the first kind of big moment with food for you like so before yes. that you didn't really were you not cooking before no i was, was cooking before but it's just my passion i want to be better at photography because mm. we came back from a medical mission and my son was, was the videographer mm -hmm. and he took amazing pictures and I was only using point and shoot. So mm -hmm. I want to challenge myself. I want to better myself at that. And that's when I start. And I was like, like, you know, if you want to get better, just to have to carry that camera every day and just to shoot it. I tried um, YouTube. I tried um, reading online articles, but I couldn't understand the concept hmm. until I practiced myself. So that's how I learned by myself. Yeah. What was the what was the exact conversation with your son when he told you, "Hey, you should start an Instagram account." Was that something that you immediately because it sounds like you you know your son was already a videographer and kind of knew what he was doing that you just no. kind of blindly said, "Okay, I'm going to post every day." And you just started doing that or was there something that clicked for you and you know you wanted to start an Instagram account? Well, I think it's because they were getting tired of showing me how to use the camera. There's <laughs> <laughs> so, this tutorial, mom. Yeah, so the only way you learn is to do it yourself. Right. And so I, I realized, yeah, that's right. I have to learn, I have to do this on my own. I can't ask them anymore because they were in college. And my son was informatics at Michigan. So I think in that new space, he was like, okay, social media, media. so he's like, mom, just start that. And now and you're more clout than all of them, huh? Yeah, so it's really, <laughs> it's really cool because now they think I'm a cool mom because their friends are following me. And so it's really cool. And then at first they were really frustrated and annoyed because, you know, every time they eat, I have to take a picture right. and then they get mad because they're not eating hot food. And so it was just, but now they're like, okay, mom, you can do your stuff and then we can eat. And, and so it was really cool. In the beginning of the account, how much of what you were documenting was the food you were making at home and how much of it was going out to restaurants and capturing that food? I think it would be half and half. From the beginning? From the beginning. In one beginning, well, we always eat out a lot. And okay. so, um, but maybe... Maybe 60, 40 home cook, and then 40 going out to eat. And can you give, for the people that haven't uh, looked at your page, what are the what are the types of things that you know how to cook, that you cook regularly, and, oh. and what are the types of things that you were photographing early on? Okay, so I love home cooked food, like Vietnamese food, like uh, family traditional meals, like, um, say lemongrass chili chicken chicken yeah. uh, braised catfish uh, soup just the basic comfort food that I grew up with my mom making it yeah. so I'm making them for them and like pho like boom ryu and 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 uh, the thing is kind of hard now is, is because there's only two of us it's hard to cook in small portion 
So, but with them around when they were younger, it's easy for me to cook in big pots or have friends over and stuff. So, just my I'm trying to learn how to cook in small portion now as I grow older. Yeah. So in the early days, mm-hmm. what when you posted that food on Instagram, mm-hmm. were the young heads confused? Did they know what that stuff was? Like, how how was the early reception to the photos of the food you were cooking at home? That's oh, that's um. I think uh, for some reason I had a lot of um, Asian followers, so Out they the under gate. so they understood what I was cooking, so they understood what the picture were. Huh. Yeah, so I don't think there was any problem with that at all. Because I actually think Eli, that's one of the one of the most differentiating factors of Connie's account, right? Mm-hmm. Is the fact that there's lots of if you're here in southern california plus now you're traveling for oh, your no, account so, so but if you're here in southern california right if you just look through connie's feed you can get a hit list of a ton of places not just asian american but a ton yeah. of vietnamese food a ton of asian asian food as well mm-hmm. but then even though if you might have followed her because you started getting restaurant recommendations that you really enjoyed right is that you start to see your home cooking, Connie. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's actually that's actually one of the things that I got really excited about, mm-hmm. about the content that you were producing. Because to me, the average archetype of a social media influencer in 2020 is I'm gonna create an account, I'm gonna go to places, I'm going to rely mm-hmm. on the, the specialty and the experience of people that do not get into my feed, right? The chefs, the cooks, the Uh restaurateurs, they're going to present me with food and I will document that to the best of my ability, probably in like a a for Instagram aesthetics way. Uh And I'm going to build my account by doing that over and over and over. So it's Uh dozens and dozens of restaurant visits and look, a, a lot of these accounts are really cool and I follow them too, but the differentiating factor on yours is, I don't know, that authenticity of also being, this is what I make at home. Oh yeah. No matter, no matter to me, and maybe you can comment, but no matter what it is, I feel like no matter what you're cooking, if it's built for Instagram aesthetics or not, yeah. it's just, this is what I'm cooking and I wanna yeah. share it with yeah. you. Yeah. I'm curious about what you've decided to share um, with your home cooking to your audience? So it's really funny because um, I did that because of my boys. They went off to college. So I have to create these recipes for them to learn. And boys, I think they're as um, diligent in, in preparing a lot of uh, ingredients. So I have to make it simple for them. So, and also where they live, Michigan, I don't, I'm not sure like how close they are with Asian um, supermarkets, supermarkets or and stuff. ingredients. Yeah. yeah, so I have to make it really basic and simple, and and allow them to see um, how it's cooked or how it's done. So it's basically more, when I do things like that, it's mostly for my boys, and also for my young friends and, and people that don't know how to cook. Because um, when I got married, I didn't know how to cook, and I didn't when know. Was, when was that? That that was like twenty eight years ago. <laughs> That was like 28 years ago. We did not, I didn't know how to cook at all. And um, we were eating out a lot. And um, Friday night was our instant noodle night. Mm. And it was great memories. And when um, I think my boys, my oldest was maybe um, first grade. I, I got to get, you know, now I have three boys now. So I have to like be able to know how to cook some de- decent meal. And it was learning from recipe books. 
Huh. That's how I started. And then from there, um, we got involved with ministry, with college ministry, with youth ministry. Um, then um, I had to learn how to cook spaghetti for like 50 kids. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I, it just transformed into that. And so now it's like, um, I really enjoy cooking. I really enjoy bringing together family and people. And it's just, it's nice. You do you, know, it's do you just, remember the first dish where you crushed? You were like, oh, this tastes good. I'm gonna do this again. And you mastered it. Do you remember that dish? Ah, uh, wow. Because uh, if you went from not cooking at all, right? Yeah, like not yeah. knowing how to cook, yeah. there's gotta be one where you're like, oh crap, this yeah. pho is good. Or, well, pho took a long time. Yeah. But yeah, um, I think it was probably say the chicken pho. Because it was the easiest. Chicken pho is the why easiest. Is why is chicken pho easier? It's so easy. <laughs> Talk to me, because okay, I, I can so, mess up a lot. No, you cannot, because- Try me, do you know we like? <laughs> Try me. No, I don't, it's, it's the easiest, it's the easiest, if they, if any of my followers or my friends ask, can you teach me a recipe, it will be a chicken pho. Teach me chicken pho right now. Right yeah. now? Okay, yeah. what you need to do- I guarantee you, without any equipment, I'll already mess it up. <laughs> no, chicken so, pho. Okay, so you need to do is just get ginger, and and brown onions okay and so ginger maybe like an inch or two and you just chard it right on, on maybe uh or roast not roast it boil it brown it oh did you throw the whole ginger yeah but in, you gotta like, peel it okay you gotta peel it see peel i would have i would have oh, thrown the whole gang sign looking ginger into no. the skillet and okay. messed it up already. okay so, so you, you gotta peel it with a spoon you peel it with a spoon yes okay, i learned good. that because yeah. Is the easiest way, mm -hmm. and then you smash it so that way you let the aroma out. Okay, smash and, it on a wooden plank. Yes, and, and then, then you put you, you put on a cast iron pan and okay. you brown it. The okay. same thing with onions, but you just peel it and then you brown it both sides. Okay, and then you wash the chicken. Okay, and then um, I like to blanch mine because I don't like the dirty residue on it. Mm, so okay. just boil hot, really hot water. Put the chicken in and let it kind of like um, from raw. Yeah. Okay. Right from raw. Yeah, and then just kind of um, if you see the residue part coming up, then you dump it and you wash the chicken again. Okay. And then you cook it. And then what you need to do is just put it in the pot, fill it up maybe an inch or two above the chicken, and put in the ginger and the um, just water. And just then you water. Put ginger. Yeah. And the onion, the brown yeah. onion. Yeah. And that's chicken pho. Yeah. And how long? How long is good? Like 45 minutes. 45 you put minutes. in salt and, you know, salt and sugar, new mom and stuff like that. Fish what was sauce. that last thing you just said? Fish sauce? Fish sauce, okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. And it, because, you know, like, I, th that's easy because um, it's for my boys. Because where they're at in Michigan or where they're at, they, they don't have these, um, these pho spices. Mm. And usually when I use pho spices, I use for beef pho. Okay. But for chicken pho, what they do is they can use that for pho, chicken pho, and then if there's leftover, the chicken broth, they can use that for ramen, mm -hmm. you know, oh. or they can do that for soup. So they can overdo it, and yeah. then they have like ingredients yeah. for the yeah. next stuff. Yeah, so it's just like, you know, it's, it's reusing what you have, and you know, they don't have time, and they're going to school, they're studying and stuff like that, so it's something that that hey. they can I'm do. I'm still like in awe about how casually you said I do this for my boys mm -hmm. because you wanted to give them recipes that they could make in college. Yeah. I mean, you're basically providing a subscription teaching service to your kids, right? Yeah. To make sure that they can eat well yeah, while, they're while they're not at home. Yeah. So, yeah. But they're easy ingredients though. Very basic three ingredients. They're nothing like 
they don't need anything hard. And then they can learn more on YouTube or subscribe, but mine is very easy for them to access. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Well, so on a chicken fuss, so I'm gonna go off a little tangent on a chicken mm -hmm. fuss. So like what, on top of it, if, if you were to go find like extra ingredients, because I love putting like the fresh mint on, like what is like one of the key things if you can go get fresh something to add on top of the pho that just makes it the perfect experience? Like basil? Yeah, is that it? Like Thai basil? Yeah, or like, like, Thai any, basil. like just any, okay, yeah. Because yeah. chicken pho is easy, you just, it's it just sounds, I wanna go home and make chicken pho right now. <laughs> you can make it, I mean I can like, and then just cook for 45 minutes, if you don't have Instant Pot, that's fine, but uh -huh. just cook it for 45 minutes, and then you use a chopstick or a fork, and you poke it in the chicken, you lift it up, and if you see the clear juice coming out, then it's done. But if you see something red, then the chicken's not done. But usually 45 minutes, it should be done by So then. if red comes out in the broth, keep going. No, not, not in the, the broth, in the away. chicken. You don't, no, you. Um, <laughs> Just keep going, Eli. Yeah. Just keep going. Yeah, yeah I'm going to try this But tonight. you poke in between the, 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 the legs. Yeah, okay. so you see that. That's how you know. So, so Kenny, you're, you're Vietnamese American? No, I'm Vietnamese. You're Vietnamese? Yeah. So. You didn't cook at all before you got married? No. So you didn't cook any Vietnamese food no, at all? No. Um, so how did you learn Vietnamese food? Vietnamese food was also through cookbooks as well? Because yes. when, I look at, when I look at your feed now, knowing, and I had no idea where you obtained your knowledge from, mm -hmm. but so much of the dishes that I end up bookmarking for myself... <laughs> Oh, thank are, you. Are your are your Vietnamese dishes because mm -hmm. I feel like I just assumed and wrongly assumed mm -hmm. that it was like something that you had known forever, right? Like I just thought it was something mm -hmm. that was inherent to potentially your upbringing, and that's oh, actually yeah. why I asked it in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. But so, what was your process to understanding and building food and recipes from your culture, even if it wasn't kind of handed to you from family? I th well. It's just like, um, I would say it's just kind of progress. And as you get older and you're, you have family and, and you start volunteering, you start doing a lot of things outside and you, you want to do more, you want to give more, so you have to become better at it. And so, say, we did a lot of retreat for our church group, and so I, like, my husband was leading, so I support him, so I have to feed them, so I have to learn how to do that. Mm. And how did I learn? It's just because, you know, you, you honestly, is through a lot of old women, not old women say, yeah, you know, when, like, grandmas or people who are older than you, that's how you learn, because they know all the tricks. They know what makes it good, and you ask them that. Like at my church, we have an amazing group of women that cooks constantly for big events, and I ask them, how do you make this? What makes it good? And I take some of those tips, and I bring it into my home. And um, that's how I learned through that whole process of that. Can you yeah. talk to me about Bonseo? Because you introduced that to me a little bit later in 2019. Oh, yeah. And I was so upset that I had never heard of it before. Really? And it was so incredible. Because oh. I go, I, I feel like I go to Vietnamese restaurants and uh -huh. I always order the pho that I like, yeah. maybe a rice dish or something. Yeah. But this this idea of a Vietnamese crepe, crepe. Oh. with no dairy in it yeah. is just this super light. You made it look effortless when you made it. And then yeah. you just, all the fresh ingredients. Can you walk people at home who may not know what we're talking about? Can you walk them through what Bonseo is? and like how easy it is to make. And then do you think like 
more people in America should know about this. Oh yes, I think for sure. I th- honestly, you guys are the one that put Vietnamese food. I mean, Vietnamese culture on in the space through the food bees. I'll take so, it. I don't, I, no, <laughs> seriously, I, I, I thank you for that because I think before we, um, Vietnamese food is just known for pho and banh mi and stuff like that. And um, through that video we did together, people are well know more of the Vietnamese culture, the Vietnamese food. Uh, in terms of banh sao, it's just so simple. It's just, honestly, it's just, I just buy the powder and then I just kind of mix it with beer and water and then just, put it on a, a pan and just, it's it's the fresh greens that makes it so good. Yeah. And then if you want to roll in a spring roll, that makes it even better. I don't know how to explain it. It's just so kind of. It, it's like a, fla- it's some sort of, is it a flour that mixes in with the water? It, it, it is a flour, yeah. Because it looks turmeric. like a crepe. Everyone, mm-hmm. everyone listening yeah. right now, it looks like the thinnest crepe yes. you can get your hands yes. on. Yes, and, and you then, have to make it thin and crispy. Oh, it's depends so on the good. pan too. You have to make it hot. And yeah. the day you were making it for us, everyone was just flabbergasted. We're like, oh, when's the egg going in? Oh. Like, every, it just looks like there's. It looks like be, egg, right? But it's not. There's yeah. none, and it's yeah. and it's satisfying yeah. and it's fresh. Thank you. Um, is that? How do you, how do you feel of of that dish being very indicative of Vietnamese cuisine? Like, is that a good one that more people yes. should should have? Because once it, you know, it's, it's it's really good because I think people don't do make it as much because it's labor intensive. Huh. And okay. it's 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 labor because you have to make it like for example here, right? You have to make a one each. Gotcha. There's you know, no, there's no way no one's cracked the code of how to make no, like it in yeah. mass and like yeah. So unless you have like four pans and you mm. make it at one time, and then sometimes people want to eat more, then they have to wait. So that's mm. why it's not as. But with Bensel, you got to make it with a small party. It's easier. Yeah. Unless you know you're really good at it, and sometimes like if you make it indoor, it's um, it kind of stink up your house a little bit because <laughs> of the, the oil and and everything like that. So yeah. yeah. Can we talk a little bit about the business of a food photographer and a food influencer? Because you come from a really authentic place in your feed. Like you started your OC Comestibles basically to give your son's recipes mm-hmm. and also to get better at photography. Sh- photography yeah. with your yeah. DSLR. Yeah. Um, do you remember like the first moment you got paid? to do what you're doing right now? Whether it was to take a certain photo or to plug a brand, because people look up to you. I mean, you have almost 100,000 followers, you're doing what you love. And let's talk a little bit about the business side. Do you remember the first time you got paid for it? Uh, Honestly, I don't. (laughs) I don't remember. I think it's just more like, what I remember is more the experience of events or the people Mm. I meet. But in terms of payment, I don't remember the first, gosh. Or you, we've met, we met at events too. Like, was there like a particular event where like, oh shoot, people are looking at my feed and they want me to come to their restaurant. Do you remember any moments like that? Um, if I do get advice through, it's through um, email and, yeah. and PR. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is like, people wish they get invited to things. Yeah, I at first I, I didn't realize, but Mona was the one that, um, put me on the map in terms of media invite. And she's like, a, she's a local. She's a local yeah. um, uh, public relation mm-hmm. that handles a lot of Orange County um, restaurants here. Yeah. Yeah. And so how did you feel going to something like that? Like, oh, people are. I was uh, honestly, um, when I first got, I felt so humbled because um, I still do because I feel like, wow, 
um, I'm among all these editorials. I'm among all these writers. I'm among all these, and my skill is just for. I'm not a writer, and so just to be among them, I just felt like, wow, this is really cool, and it's so such a privilege yeah. to be um, in this space with them at the same space at the same caliber. I would say, yeah. Do I mean, just being here, I'm, I'm like, wow, that's so nice that you guys asked me. Like, wow, <laughs> you know, it's like, well, cool, yeah. Do you, but, do you, do you, was there a moment where you felt like photography was becoming more than a hobby to you? Or does it still feel like a hobby? Because, you know, from my perspective, right, someone that I think gets to interact with you a dozen different points at time of year, mm -hmm. um, it, it feels like OC Comestibles is something you've really invested in, your thing, yeah. it's your thing, right? And it, and it takes a lot of time and energy to, uh, produce these shoots yeah. and take these photos and yeah. post-production and yeah. and get these posts up yeah. so i'm curious like is it a hobby to you any longer is it an occupation yeah. like how would you define what you do now yeah it's so cool because um just starting out just to know like just wanted to learn how my how to use my camera right and just to be involved in that and then at first you want to create it was a lot of work because you want to create content to gain followers but you don't know how to gain followers mm -hmm. you know when I first started I was like wow this is so like depressing it's just so long and then um, as I progress it becomes it becomes more a passion like I want to get better I want to get and then when I got my first repost say I think it was beauty cuisine or, or food and wine I got so excited wow they recognize me, yeah. right? And then so, and then I think you guys came in the space too, and like, I think you did a repost, and like, oh my goodness, I'm getting there. And um, it has now become where I wanna be better, and I would love to be a part of a, uh, be part of my career, because now I feel like, um, empty nesting because my sons are, are you know are, are older now one's married you know one's in New York and one's in pharmacy school and so it's just me and my husband my husband and so um, with this space I want to get better and um, I want to do more for OC comestible and this past year I think it was December I was able to uh, travel to Aruba for OC Comestible, and I was like, oh my goodness, this, I, it was the best trip, and it was so memorable, and I wanna do more of that on OC, wanna travel more with that, and it, it was life-changing because um, growing up, my whole life was taking care of my boys, right, mm. and um, I've been a domestic engineer since. Um, <laughs> I like yeah. that, domestic yeah. engineer, that's Yeah, dope. because um, until my youngest went off to college, and my husband's like, what are you gonna do now, right? But I still, I still have Instagram back then. And, I'm, and I go, I don't know, I'm still volunteering at church, I do charity stuff. And he said, well, you gotta get a job, you know? But then how do you get a job when you're a housewife and you do church work and you don't know your resume or you don't know what your skill sets are? The only thing I know is Word, I don't know Excel, I don't know any of that stuff. And so, um, but you got clout on Instagram now. I know. <laughs> it's just like kids kill for it. Yeah, Your so kids it are was, going to school and you yeah, got clout. Yeah, so it's really cool. So now it's become like um, able to do stuff like that, like the, the Ruba trip or trying to help out with little restaurants here and there and 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 then, you know, doing your stuff to get, you know, payment here and there. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to 2020. What 
also you can mess up to bring. I think if you keep that authenticity and you just seem, you, you are, you don't seem like it, you are genuinely just interested in food and in the oh, craft it. of photography. Oh, and you. it's so like incredibly refreshing to just hear that you were excited to go to Aruba on oh. behalf of the work that you've put in on yeah. your account. People yeah. have recognized and yeah. validated your photography. They're like, yeah. we need to send you to Aruba so yeah. you can get photos on our behalf. I mean, yeah. they win when they send you. Yeah. So it's really refreshing because we talk to a lot of people and we all have you know a great network of, of friends and influencers and everyone kind of tackles, uh, in our case, food influencing in a very, uh, they all tackle it differently. Mm-hmm. And some people tackle it knowing it's all about followers. If I get this amount of followers, I'm gonna mm. go out and get this amount of brand deals. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna make money from this. If I don't make money from this, like mm-hmm. I'm gonna be depressed and so forth. But, like, you have like a, a very refreshing take on, I'm gonna do what fits for my feed. Yeah. I'm gonna do what's utilitarian for somebody. And it starts with being utilitarian for your kids. Yeah. It's genuinely very, very refreshing to get that. Oh, and I think you. people can resonate with that. And that's why you've built, uh, a great amount of people around you that yeah, respect you support. and hear you for that. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you ever feel yeah. pressure from like Instagram and like the idea of trying to keep up with everything that's going on? I do. I think I do because sometimes like, you know, like you feel like, why aren't you growing or what is it that you're doing wrong? And, and I, I reach like sometimes you, you converse with other influencers, you converse with other friends, like what am I doing that's not engaging? And, and I think Instagram has changed a lot. Mm-hmm. One where it first started, and so they, you know, some suggest I should change my feed. I should change how I do my stuff. You know, you should do more of this way, food porn way. But it was so hard because I couldn't do it because it was it was not in me. Mm-hmm. You know, I I I I I, tr- I mean, you you sacrifice being yourself or you sacrifice being liked. I love that. Talk to me so, about what people tried to get you to change because your feed looks gorgeous right now. Oh, thank you. And it's different from a lot of the people in our space. We're using our phones. I use my phone to yeah. take my food photography. I don't know my way around a DSLR anymore. <laughs> and t- talk to me about what people tried to get you to change and have you done any of those things? I tried. So let's say like uh, like a burger or, mm-hmm. or uh, a chicken sandwich yeah. or a pizza. Like you want to make it food porny or really saturated or high contrast, yeah, like in your face. But it was so hard because it 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 doesn't appeal to me. You didn't like it when you see it. You didn't feel hungry. And the whole point of a lot of us foodies when we're taking pictures of food is you want it to look good for yourself and then hopefully for your audience. Yeah, it's one of the revelations I had this past year. Is like. Everyone has different sensibilities. So yes. once you're, if you're working for your audience, there's good and bad to that. But you yes. can build. You've built a, a look that is yours. Yeah, thank so, you. Yeah. So when so, so you're saying someone was like, make it more food porny, but that's almost an unfair ask. Because what is food? Well, porn? because I think food porn nowadays, I feel like that's where they tr- they gain traction. I feel that's how they grow their followers because I'm not, I feel like I've been stagnant or like when I, I feel like I'm not growing, like what is it that I need to change or what is it that is not working? So maybe it's the photography aspect of that. But when I tried it, it didn't, it didn't look good. It didn't, it didn't, it, it didn't make me feel comfortable. And yeah. so that's why I'd like, in the end, I have to like, I have to like 
like a mental shift. Like, no, I'm doing this. This account is about me. Yeah, it's about who I am. It's about my family. It's about my cooking. It's about the restaurant that I I I, I tried, and it's about who I am and my and 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 this is me. It's it's just you know what's dope is even if follower counts don't grow, your engagement's grown. I, mm. I look at the amount of people that comment on your photos and I find that more valuable than a view count or a oh. follower count. There's so many pages with millions of followers. Like yeah. they get lost in the shuffle. Yeah. But you go to your page and you're getting a very unique look at Orange County cuisine. Yeah. You're getting a very unique look at home Vietnamese cuisine. Thank you. And you didn't waver. And you have almost that luxury of being able to not waver yeah um, it was hard it was really hard because you fight for that like sometimes the number game hits you right hits Some, everybody yeah. yeah the number game hits you and so like when you become stagnant or something like that you're kind of like what's going on or what what is it and so that's why you have to like be strong in your mind like no it's not about the numbers who you are in the end mm -hmm. and so that's why i had to stick to myself trying to trying to like um tell yourself that in, in, in the end on that. So yeah, yeah. Would, sorry, go ahead. What would you do different if you like, you have all the knowledge you have now, how mm -hmm. long have you been doing, say food photography and Instagram and so forth? Um, six years. Six years. Yeah, January 6th. Like if you were gonna start over today, uh -huh. and but you have all the knowledge, uh -huh. what, would you do anything different? What would you, what would you do? I don't think I would do anything different because no. I wanna be, I wanna, I wanna um, be who I am. Mm -hmm. I don't wanna, I know sometimes I wanna do something that what people like, but in the end, um, it's it what makes me feel happy and it makes me feel comfortable. Um, so I, I'd rather, I, I don't know if I think it's doing anything different. I'd probably like maybe more home cooking, yeah, you know, like that, but um, I don't think it would change anything at all, yeah, yeah. I think when the average person thinks about social media influencing they kind of tend to think about some of the more viral aspects of social media so you oh, know yeah. they'll think about social media influencers boxing against each other they'll think about the houses of youtubers and tiktok influencers that especially when we're talking tiktok now seem to be getting kind of younger and younger every day yeah. and so when someone's in a conversation is talking about social media influencer, I feel like there's kind of a default archetype that people can go to in their head, right? Mm -hmm. Like someone, someone super young on their phone, going in a specific direction, trying to create high engagement to build a community and then hopefully build a career. Mm -hmm. Have you have you ever felt like your your narrative is very different than that? Your narrative isn't you were handed a phone at 14 and you started building oh. content. Your narrative is I used something that I was interested with mm -hmm. photography yeah. and developed that on a platform even when the majority of food accounts do something very different than what you do. Mm. So, I'm kind of curious, have you ever felt different? Have you felt out of place have you uh, uh, have you had feelings of that sort because i think your story is very different and i'm just curious about what you've been through no i don't feel out of place at all i just feel like um i think honestly for my narrative for my account maybe i attract more of the older crowd mm. 
um, I don't know that on Instagram, but but I feel like um, they can resonate like uh, where I've been, you know, like uh, having family. Uh, Sometimes I miss my boys, and 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 I don't feel out of place at all. And I really, honestly, I really do enjoy when there's an event. I enjoy meeting people. I enjoy, you know, seeing how they do things and stuff like that. But I don't feel out of place at all. Sometimes I feel honored to be in this space because I feel like I'm the oldest one in here. So <laughs> I was so confused too. The, I think I forget. Yeah. It was maybe the second or third time we were all hanging out, probably at a food event. I don't know yeah. what it was. And then I think one of your boys showed up, oh. and I was like. Connie has kids, <laughs> and then and then yeah. Connie has kids that are almost my age. Yeah, and I was like, and, and it was that genuine. Like you were just at these places, yeah. you and you you look like us. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I had no. It was it was really refreshing. Yeah. Um, yeah. man, and how did it feel? Yeah. So, guys, we talked a little bit in the intro where we have this show at Food Beast called Chomping Grounds. Yeah. yeah, and it was a new show at the time. But mm-hmm. the goal was we would find interesting people from unique neighborhoods that may not have had their stories told and someone dope from that neighborhood gets to show us five amazing restaurants. And so we looked to Connie yeah. to do one on Little Saigon in Orange County. And Orange yeah. County's not re- like, should be known for places like Little Saigon, yeah. Little yeah. Arabia for the Middle Eastern food. Yeah. And so not for us, it wasn't really a risk. It was more just like, let's, let's talk about little Saigon. We, we reached out yeah. to you. You're yeah. like, I got some places. Yeah. And how, do how essential it was to reach out to Connie? Cause I remember when we're, when we, we, were, pro- done it when we were producing the segment and, uh, I mean, we're lucky that we do have someone that is Vietnamese American on our staff, mm-hmm. but even then it was like, we don't necessarily have an understanding of little Saigon from a granular perspective, yeah. but then even as we started to get our do our own research and and get an understanding of what's available in Little yeah. Saigon, well, if we didn't know Vietnamese, if we didn't know how oh, yeah. to talk to the business owner, yeah. um, and that was something that you handheld us through yeah. because that was the fir- one of the first times where we were trying to document um, food owned by probably first generation Asian American owners that did not care about our Instagram clout, that did not care about our Facebook audience or that we had a website called foodbeast.com. And they were more concerned about, are you here to steal my business and steal my recipe? And I think that was something where I didn't even understand that that existed right it was just something for the i don't know maybe the first five or six years of our publication we would kind of assume like hey if we knock on your door and we want to cover your stuff and we want to show it to your audience that there's like an incentive for you to do that because hopefully more people see it and then come to your business but this is when we were getting we were getting door shut rejected re- straight up yeah. rejected yeah. and not not a like oh i'll think about it come back no. like no do not cut you yeah. are not allowed in the back yeah. of my kitchen yeah. there was no way that i would yeah. never do that yeah. and and i just remember that being part an essential part of that experience is if yeah. we didn't if we didn't have someone that was vietnamese mm-hmm. and was able to speak vietnamese but mm-hmm. also in the cultural context we wouldn't have been able to do that video and i think because and that was i think some of the elements that made that video so so successful is because you couldn't 
just walk into the place and and record yeah you know the way they make food yeah when we launched that video so it's the video has connie introducing herself walking around little saigon and basically almost within walking distance all these places are there a lot of the comments immediately this video resonated though people were like oh my god where's these places been my whole life i gotta go people are bookmarking left and right and it was it was awesome to see there's also a lot of comments that are like why haven't these places been covered before and i think the fact Jeff's little anecdote of how like these places shut our like shut the door in our faces uh, some of them it was like the language barrier sometimes like prevents certain people that might have this audience to be able to tell those stories in the way so yeah. it's it's a matter of persistence and trying to respect the restaurant yeah. respect the cuisine and respect the culture that eventually you can tell those stories yeah. um, but that's a reason why a lot of those stories don't get told so it's always so exciting when we finally do. And then in this one, it was a beautiful package of five. Yeah. I mean, it got nominated for a Shorty Award. Yeah. Like yeah. that's, it was our first nomination for a Shorty <laughs> Award. And it came from this play. Like we would have never thought like this was the piece. Yeah. And it really was. And it excited us to like, yo, what other cultures can we dive yeah. into? Yeah. Guys, we're going to, when we, when we promote this podcast, we're going to put up, uh, we'll put up a link to the Chomping Grounds episode so yeah. you guys can kind of dive into that. But Connie, I'm curious, uh, now in 2020, what are some of the things that you're really excited about from a Vietnamese food, Little Saigon perspective, or just Vietnamese food in general? But what are the things that you're seeing from a restaurant or culinary perspective uh, that gets you excited? Well, 2020, I honestly... Um, there's not a lot of restaurants that are opening in terms of Vietnamese food. It's just kind of like... Um, but the Bunsil Boys. Yeah, oh, the Bunsil <laughs> Boys. They need to be like... No, the Bunsil Boys. They're sick. No, right? Yeah. I, they were, and not only they're sick, but they're super nice gentlemen too. And they're so engaging and stuff like that. And it's just... I had such a great time with them. And I'm, Well, they're going to be at uh, our New Year's um, out there. Um, festivity at our house not our house my cousin's house so I'm looking forward to that's seeing that's the them. Vietnamese New Year yeah the yeah. Lunar New Year yeah but for 2020 I don't I mean maybe we should do another chomping uh, <laughs> ground but you're right going back with that you know you gave us um, you you wanted I remember you wanted five restaurant right and I gave you five but then we got rejected like two or three so we had to go get another five and it was so crazy it was just like I was like, oh, when Food Beast, hello, everybody knew Food Beast. And, and, and for us to, you know, for them to say no, it was just kind of like, what's going on with you, you know? And you're right about, like, they don't want to go back and, and video the recipe. Because I remember the first um, place that we stopped by goes, make sure they don't do this and that. So it was just kind of like, yeah, it's the culture thing is so important in terms of how you reach out to these these restaurants. But 2020, I don't know. Let's let's do another one, but this time maybe Westminster, the the, the little Saigon. Yeah. Be really, there's a lot of restaurants yeah. out there, yeah, that you guys can can dive into. So, yeah. So, uh, our our staff writer Pete, who also kind of helps produce this podcast and writes for the site, he has a place that I will not name. That mm. he's the taken, broken rice. Yeah, that he's t- that he's taken <laughs> us to, but mm. will not let us talk about like where and what this place is and i'm kind of like going against his wishes but where i'm going is are there places 
you know that aren't necessarily that aren't on yelp that Uh don't have their own website that you don't necessarily want to share because you don't want that place to change in a way that makes it less accessible or or whatever like are there places that you keep kind of close to the vest or or do you post about everything i'm curious about like what your feelings are on some of the mom and pop places that haven't been featured on instagram online and okay so there's one but i can't really but i think one I think yeah, you I'm guys. Not, I'm not you asking were, like yeah, who yeah. it is. That you're yeah, pressing yeah. Connie right yeah, now. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but I'm curious. Like, yeah, do, you, yeah. do you feel yeah. that way too? Of like, this is something that you almost shield from social media. Mm-hmm. In we all have those places. That feel. Like, yeah. yeah, like yeah. So, well, so there's there's two. Um, one of my two things that I I well one first important is like. If I don't like the food or I don't like, I don't post on my account. I like that. So instead of saying something negative, I don't post. So mm. that way, because um, I know all these restaurants and I know all these um, owners, they invest so much. This is their livelihood. So for me as an influencer, um, I do have a lot of voice. I feel I like I do have a lot of voice. So if I say anything negative, I think it's really wrong for me because I can hurt their business. So I don't do that. If I don't like the food, I don't post. So it's better they don't know about it, and that's fine, but I don't say negative. And in terms of what I like, um, I have I do have one where I don't really share is because it's very unique. Um, I think one of you have been there um, with us um, that one night, and so... Um, yeah, I want to keep that that just for us. So yeah. And is that a secret because you don't want a ton of people to like? You don't want to wait in line when you go. Yeah, or is and it's it very hard? unique. <laughs> it's very unique for so, OC. So when you say very unique, and and again, because I want to see how close it is to the type of spot that I kind of shield from the food beast oh. audience. Is it because? it's hard to explain the value of this place? Or do you think once you explain the value, it, the, the line will be crazy and then you have to now wait for whatever this I think is. it's, the food is good. I think it's just uh, the vibes. Mm. You know, you feel like you're uh, uh, at, say, in, like you feel like you're, you're in, in Vietnam. Basically, okay. so yeah, it's like even though and you wanted to stay that way. I want to stay that way. I don't want anybody, and also you want you these hipsters coming in. <laughs> well, like, so I don't want any negative like comments or negative um, reaction from people who don't know how it is. Oh, oh, you know that's, that's really interesting. Yeah, because they don't know how how it's, how it is, and they might come in and go, "Oh, this is not this, this is not that," and it's 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 because of what brings me there, and it's mm. not what you accustomed to so it can have backlash on that place so i don't want to do that and it's it's a very unique experience so that's why i want to keep it private yeah that that makes tons of sense to me because i was gonna guess and before you said that i was like does connie is connie doesn't want the restaurant to have a certain level of success to which the experience changes drastically right Mm -hmm. because to me, I've seen that, right? Where it's yeah. like the mom and pop restaurant garners some success. It doesn't have to be like a viral video or anything, but then they kind of change what they were because when the money comes in, it's yeah. like, great, we're gonna do, we're gonna be yeah. digital menu boards and yeah. we're gonna like, we're gonna redo these countertops and we're mm-hmm. gonna do all that. And that's, 
that's obviously your choice as a business, mm -hmm. right? But then sometimes if you don't connect it to the culture of a place of why I was there in the yeah. first place, I feel out of place. Yeah. And then because I feel out of place, I don't come back. Mm -hmm. And and I'm I'm have you guys experienced that? And is that some of so, Eli where you're like So cuz it's cuz I want to ask because it's, it's kind of contrarian. We're the three of us are all I, you guys are great people, right? In general, Thank I think you, when I think I think when you guys go to restaurants, yeah. you 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 want to champion the success of those restaurants and I those do. people that yeah. have served you food, yes. right? Yes. So it's somewhat counterintuitive to hide those to places. hide them, yeah. and I yeah. think that's what I'm so interested in dissecting is because Pete, when he was on staff, that was one of the first times I remember where it was like, man, this food is so good. This would make great content, but I've made a pledge to my friend to not do this. And it's one of the only things that I've done in my life like that. So I'm curious about your restaurant, Eli, and yeah, like how that, I'm how that too. relates. So I, this isn't the restaurant, but I'll talk about like where I decided to like let it up a little bit. So how Connie hosted the Little Saigon uh, Chomping Grounds, I hosted Little Arabia in right. Anaheim, which is a district near to Disneyland. And I was excited to show it off, to show off some Middle Eastern food that could use some love. So we purposely, and I don't know, Connie, if you went through this when you were picking your five spots for yeah. Little Saigon, I made sure to pick some big boys on the list where like they already have some traffic, like a Zenko chicken. That's oh. like a chain, but oh. it's important to Anaheim. And then I picked some spots like Furn al-Hara, which is yeah. roughly translated, it's just a, a, it's a furnace right mm -hmm. so it's like you go there and they have all these amazing baked, baked goods, goods yeah. zatar neish and stuff Ooh. like that and so but that's one of the things where i didn't know the owner before uh going to that location and and filming there but it was one of those like they had traffic but it wasn't like lying out the door and that was that's one of the spots where i was like it would be a bummer if i came here on a sunday and i couldn't just get my zatar wrap in like two minutes mm -hmm. and after the video went live and that place like the it's not our video it's the magic of that place that's bringing people there mm -hmm. we just had the honor of like being able to finally find a lens to share wow. that location and now like when me and mark who directed that video here at food beast we go visit there's always people there is there like, every race and that's amazing that's cool. like you know, black people there white yeah. people there mexican yeah. people there yeah. like and then the owner now comes out and he's like you guys thank you very much <laughs> like and for like a lebanese <laughs> dude to tell you thank you very much like some shit went right <laughs> it was cool and he didn't yeah. have to do that he came out yeah. and i i know they were one of the spots that was also a little apprehensive too like mm -hmm. we could speak arabic we go in there mm -hmm. we told them like listen we're you have to tell them like we're kind of like the lbc which is like a lebanese broadcasting channel <laughs> but like <laughs> and and you know and, and you just have to you, you have to like warm them up to it because yeah. again it's foreign to them like yeah. these are places they don't have a yelp they yeah. don't have they have a yelp they don't know it exists yeah. and they don't care to update or change yeah. they don't have a facebook page yeah. um the other one of the other spots we featured there this gentleman we need to do a deeper dive on him as as they do late night falafel and they've been around for 20 30 sahara? years sahara falafel oh, sahara dude so, so you would think like we go there and late night there's people there, but the How general uh, two two a.m. Wow. two two or sometimes three a.m. at night, which is late for Orange County. Um, 
And as we, this didn't make the video because the way chomping grounds worked at the time, like we didn't have that kind of luxury to go into like these five to 10 minute discussions with the owners. Yeah. Um, but we, we found out like the owner of that restaurant also like moonlights as a hotel chef because he has to. And he has oh. kids that are like, uh, they're going yeah. into college and yeah. he has to you it, know, continue it, to take care. Does he have boys? He has, I, I don't know if it's, a, I think, no, I think he has boys and maybe a girl. Yeah, because oh. I think, and they work the shop because that's the, like. Oh. When they're around. When they're they, around, they work yeah. and, I, and that's when I went. And what's crazy is, is they, uh, he has young people that work there that may not even be sure. re- relatives to him. And, but he's so, he just loves it and he loves like making falafel and he's passionate about it. And that was like, yes, I should never have hid this place because whatever line I might need to endure in the future to get my falafel is better than not having the falafel in the future because, you know, God forbid he has to close. And I don't, he's not there. Like, he's not, that's not happening. He's doing well. I think the restaurant's doing well. Um, So those are like the moral dilemmas you have with these spots where, like, yeah, yeah, they might have this beautiful vision and environment of something that is passionate and cool to you. Like, this is a spot makes you feel like you're in the hood of Lebanon and I'm keeping the sanctity of this so me and my friends at 1 30 a.m. can have it unbothered and unfiltered. Um, So we went back and forth on those spots. Some of them said yes, some of them said no, but overall, I'm happy that those spots have people going to them um, and I hope they continue to be successful. But then there's spots where I know like, they're gonna be okay (laughs) and I am not gonna tell anyone about this spot. I'm gonna tell a few friends and the rule is you can't bring your phone out at these restaurants. Like, uh-huh. and so, and that's mainly just uh, selfish. Like, I don't wanna ever wait for this food. And there's yeah. a perfect amount of people in here yeah. and you know, and they're nearby to my house. Part of yeah. me thinks that's so silly though too, Eli, because uh, for anyone who works in media, no matter no matter what your follower count says and no matter what the audience that you think you have is that can drastically change at any time and for any piece of content. Yeah. So like True. that I know doesn't resonate with people who don't mm. publish content probably on a daily basis. But mm. for those that do, we've all been super excited about a piece of content, think it's the best thing in the world yeah, and then doesn't. watch it fall flat. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, yeah. We're sitting there like, man, yeah. there, how, uh, if yeah. I would to bet money, right? Yeah. If I was yeah. a betting man, which I am, I was like, I would put my savings on this video going yeah. crazy. Yeah. And then it Does. doesn't. Yeah. And so part of me, you know, when Pete, when Pete talks to me and he's like, yo, we can't cover this. We can't put this on social. Mm-hmm. We can't do whatever. Part of me laughs inside because we could put it on social and it could change nothing. Yeah. Like I'm not, again, I think it's, is there a likelihood yeah. that it does something? Yeah, yeah. Like that's the average, yeah. but I think it's still, there's still things that we can't control and the yeah. audience kind of controls. Yeah. And so what Pete and what Connie and what Eli, what all you guys are protecting in some way is this one percentile of video that drastically changes a business, which can totally happen right it can totally happen but like how likely is it like i i don't know and so it's just a funny dichotomy of sometimes protecting but not 
Sometimes it's the challenge of storytelling too. So there's the, we're talking about the reasons why you don't share a restaurant with people or share it to our audience. Like we all have big audiences we could share it to. Um, And sometimes it's hard to explain why a place is good. And that's part of the the fun challenge and the craft of what we do is how do you explain if it's not visual, it's just like the best tasting rice. Like it's going to look like every other rice, but the way they do it is so special. And so frankly, sometimes it's just in the work ethic of like, is it, is it worth your time to try to explain mm-hmm. why this pizza joint is any different than the other pizza joint? Or, you know, this spot, this fuss spot is doing something different. And so sometimes it's just in, in how challenging it is to explain yourself. And that and those restaurants are probably having the same challenge too. And they might be the best at something. So, you know, it's our perpetual job, I feel, yeah, as storytellers, yeah, to yeah. continue to try, I yeah. think. So yeah. I don't know we try. I mean, just more like, I think for me, it's just kind of like, I don't want to, like like I said, the backlash, because it's a different experience. Mm. You know, it's a different experience. It's fair if you present them wrong. That's also a fear, you yeah. know? There's well, like I a think, lot of crippling think, fear that goes yeah. into like creating content. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think it's not presenting wrong. It's, I think it's more like some people are just more like, they're not going to understand. Understand. But why and they don't have that? the context why it's like yeah, this. Yeah, why it's like that. And so and, yeah. I'm assuming. Um, I'm assuming it's something like, are you kind of afraid like the average person in OC, which may be on the wider or on like the more elevated income standpoint might kind of come into that place and be like, what is this? Is that, is that the fear? Because I would under, I would understand that cause I'm, I'm pretty sure I, I've been to the place that you're talking mm-hmm, about. Mm-hmm. Um, damn it. So that's. Am I too loud for that place? <laughs> is that why? You, you'll be so a, perfect for that place. What, what does that say about yeah, you? No, I don't know what it is. No. Is it Chuck E. Cheese? Yeah, it's Chuck E. Cheese, yeah. No, I, I maybe I think it's not the it's not that. I think it's more like you gotta be open minded. Yeah. You have to be open minded. Thing is it other Vietnamese people? Because there's also that. Yeah. Like you know the, the, like if you're talking authenticity with certain yeah. spots, yeah. sometimes it's the own culture, it's the, the culture. own race yeah. that is the most critical of a yeah. place. Yo, yeah. give me like, yeah. like, like give you me go, an example. Like there's a restaurant in Orange that no one here is probably gonna know about, and it's a big Lebanese restaurant that everyone just shits on. I shit on it too, but like because I'm so critical of my own, like food. you're critical of your own food, food yeah. and you want other people who to represent it the best way right. possible. So I know when Jeff, when you go in there, like <laughs> I don't want your potential first experience with the hummus you, that wouldn't be your first but I don't want it to be bad and so you, you rag on them and it's sometimes the own culture that's the most protective critical. and critical yeah, yeah, of it, it so I'm wondering that's prob- I feel yeah, like that might is. be it so that's like yeah, yeah big dumb <laughs> Eli go to this place. <laughs> yeah. he's probably gonna yeah. like it yeah. but like the own culture might be very critical like oh this isn't what I believe yeah. this cuisine is yeah. like I'm gonna trash this place on Th- you don't you guys feel like in general that just people should just be more Chill, open bro well, well okay <laughs> yeah. i think it's easy to say everyone be more open that's an easy thing to say everything's going to agree to that yeah. in my opinion i think more people need to be open to meals you do not like yeah mm. I, I think it's I like, like something yeah. specific because you will only discover new and you will only discover the context of various places you try it by you because there is no understanding of good without bad, right? Mm-hmm. And that's actually something, like that's actually biblical, right? Mm-hmm. If you go back to like, there is there is no understanding of what's right 
if there is no wrong. Yeah. And I think, so people get so lost, especially in today's culture, about how every meal has to be fucking amazing, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, it has to be. Yeah. Like, there's no, why would you waste your time and your money on something that wasn't something to remember, wasn't yeah. something post-worthy and whatever? Yeah. Or any sustenance. And it's like, yeah. but it's like, to me, it's the reminder. The reminder is you be open to meals that aren't for sure the best thing you've ever yeah. had or yeah. even close to it yeah. is because like meals of that magnitude are special. Yep. And when you think it should be like the every day, mm-hmm. when you have no idea how to prepare that meal yourself, yeah. Yeah. when you're gonna be critical on like a dry ch- chicken thigh or whatever yeah. you're gonna be critical on that yeah. today, and you can't do it yourself any better, yeah. like just be open to it. Yeah. Damn, that's the yeah. argument yeah. for average food. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that one existed, but it does. Now I feel bad because like the other day I was, I, I walked in the office, I was telling Jeff, I was telling Jeff, uh, my girlfriend got me a, a gift certificate to Sir Latab so we could, is that how you pronounce yeah, that yeah, shit? Yeah, yeah. It's too fancy for me. Um, and to do a cooking class because I messed up a pad thai at home. I can't do a pad thai, turn into a soup. Uh, <laughs> Are you that bad? Hey, really, I'm kind. I'm gonna try your uh, chicken fud tonight. You and should come you, over to my house. I'll teach you. I'll, be, I'll take you up on that. My girlfriend no, wants seriously. to come over again. You guys no. treated us very. I, yeah. If you guys get invited to a Connie OC comestibles party, party, you, you show, take, up. You show yeah, up. You show up. I already missed. I missed one. I've been to one of two. I missed one, and I like never heard the end of it from everyone that just had like. Yeah, your husband has. Everyone's amazing. Oh, you end the night you. with cigars oh, yeah, and wine and whiskey. Yeah. Whiskey. Yeah. It's oh, incredible. Anyway, so I was at Sur La Table. Uh, Sur La Table. Sur La Table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you said STB? it right the first time. STB. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm really excited. I was like, this is great. We spent some time, get to cook together and learn. There's maybe 14 uh, people. Some are young couples, older couples. Everyone's there for a different reason. And the chef was like this proud chef. She was like telling us about this pad thai and her time. And she like did one trip to Thailand and now she's good at this and her culinary school. Anyways, so uh, we're making this pad thai. And she starts with the sticky rice. She's like, we're gonna start dessert first. And and she's like, but the sticky rice is gonna take a while, so I'm just gonna do it all. I was like, okay, great. (laughs) Great, let's work for me. This is cool, but I wanna learn a little bit. And so we're making three courses. We're making a pad thai. We're making a a steak lettuce wrap. Okay. And a coconut curry soup with sweet potato. Okay. And so... All three courses are absolute also, trash. Sounds amazing. Oh, what? No. Absolute you, the trash. The way you described it was like, oh, this is yeah. this sounds good. The yeah. menu sounds no. good. All trash. Trash because you didn't make it right. So I thought so. Yeah. <laughs> I was giving her the benefit of the doubt. I was like, listen, I'm putting in the ingredients you're telling yeah. me about. Yeah. And if you go to a Sir Latab uh, cooking class, an SDB cooking class, a lot of the ingredients are already cut up for you. Yeah. Like you're not doing a you're, ton. It's, Oh. You don't lose time with the sort of because uh, I've been hour, to one right? too where I, where we yeah. did southern yeah. food in like jambalaya, mm-hmm. and I was actually kind of surprised because one of the reasons I wanted to do it is my girlfriend doesn't cook, and so I was like, this is a way to show her like this is what prep is like, this is how much time it takes. It's not just like you put it in the oven and then we get there and everything's prepped already. That was the problem. And I was like, what? What? Like, like I was supposed like I want her to fucking cut the onion. <laughs> like I want her to like learn how to cut an onion, be safe with a knife. Yeah. Because if you can't 
start with prep, you'll never get to yeah. the next the prep stage. Is a long time. Yo, the noodles will cook. <laughs> we're making a pad thai. I was like, yo, I would have been cool if we just did the pad thai. You just blanch it. See, I, yeah. I, I don't. I wouldn't know, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't learn from that class. Wait, but so, so all funny. of it was trash. So okay, so uh, we plated the first three dishes. We did all the pad thai stuff. We did the curry, and then we did the steak steak wraps and the, we had a so amazing <laughs> yeah it I, sounds the amazing descriptions are good yeah. and we were i mean so the couple next to us was really sweet they're on their like fourth child and they don't cook so they're like decided the fourth kid was the one they're gonna <laughs> treat the best <laughs> and so they were really fun to hang out with they pair you up like you get okay. in like pairs of four uh groups of four and so we hadn't tasted anything we just been cooking the whole time uh-huh. and then the first dish we tasted the pad thai i'm real excited yeah and i'm like twisting the noodles put it in my mouth and i'm like oh fuck this is not good what did i mess up yeah were yeah, you were yeah. you were is this the spice what is, i thought it was me you were with jasmine right yeah i was with jasmine what did, what did jasmine say jazz didn't like it either and is this the spices that so I, I in my head i was like she's not putting enough spices in this thing yeah probably and she like made this big deal about using a thai chili and she was like they're like little thin no those the, is hot yeah those yeah. are hot and also yeah. those are great but they're not adding like the flavor they're just hot and like i love those spice yeah yeah no none of that and so <laughs> i look over and i'm like because we're not saying this out loud yet uh-huh. like we're just looking at each other yeah. and i look over and there's like a young chinese couple oh. and i'm like i wonder what they think <laughs> and like the whole time it, she it, she was super cute about it because like she was asking a lot of questions during yeah. it it was just me and her talking yeah. like i was asking questions and she was asking questions she across the way but the look in her eyes i don't know what was going on at home but it was like she had to get this recipe right <laughs> she, was she, serious. Would, she was like okay so if i don't cross hash the onions will it cook <laughs> and it looked like she was like gonna get killed if it did. <laughs> and so but she broke the ice at her and her uh fiance or boyfriend or husband broke the ice they're like you have any sriracha <laughs> oh, and i'm like we're at a Thai cooking class. <laughs> if the sriracha is not out, it's probably not built for it. Yeah. And like she, she had a little sriracha in the fridge, but that was like the first sign where I looked at the rest of the couples. Like, okay, it's not just us. Then uh. the curry soup comes up, and I'm like, okay, let's go. A little curry Does soup. Does have lemongrass in it? Uh, no. Oh, bad, <laughs> bad. So is it? Does she have at that like um, kaffir lime leaf too? Yeah, yeah, that? yeah, I'm assuming yeah, no. none of that Mm-mm. because if you were teaching that class, <laughs> Eli would be ecstatic about what he was eating. Yeah. So it wasn't just basically what you're saying is it wasn't just you. It wasn't just me, uh, and so or the, wasn't just you and Jazz either. It was yeah, multiple groups. It was, so then oh. at the very end, so the one dish. This is how I knew it wasn't just us. Was the one dish we didn't touch was the mango sticky, sticky rice, rice with the purple forbidden uh, rice. They used purple forbidden rice and topped it with really nicely sliced mangoes. Fair slicing on her part. Great, <laughs> great, great sushi grade slicing yeah. on the mangoes. Yeah. Is, I look over at the uh, the couple next to us and the, the woman goes, she's like chewing the rice and it's crunching. She's like, these are going to be in my teeth for a very long time. Oh, no. And I'm like, oh fuck. I was like looking forward to this dish. It's like a palate cleanser to the yeah. trash I just oh, had. And, that's so sad. And I was like just crunching through this rice. I was starving no. anyway. So yeah. I was like crunching through it. And I was like, this is not mango sticky rice. Yeah. We had a great time talking shit at yeah. this thing. And I, I do recommend like cooking classes. It's just fun to be out there. It's fun to yeah. go out. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, you've had cooking classes yeah. at this place. Like I'm sure there's other good I, cooking I classes. Had a, I had a good experience, but I, are you kind of bringing this up because does... I forget why I even does brought the, this up. Does the Sur La Table <laughs> meal 
you're gonna have a lot of appreciation for that dope pad oh, yes. thai. Oh yes, I forgot. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was a below average <laughs> pad thai. But then I was like, I got now so much respect for the frozen isle at Trader Joe's. <laughs> Yo, TJ, Mr. Joe, yourself, you make an amazing yeah. pad thai. Yeah. And way better than Sir La Top Chef. I won't even name the location, but wow. please, please pick a different subject matter. Wow. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, a new appreciation for average food. I, sh- I would have got more enlightenment out of that, uh, that of that class, if I had your perspective. Thank I you. I mean, Jeff. it's yeah. definitely something, no one, no one is aiming for average. the mediocre food. Yeah. But for anyone who has even attempted to try to make food from scratch on any level, that's not just seasoned for you or pre-portioned seasoned for you, yeah. you're going to fuck up. Like, you're <laughs> going to mess up. And it sucks because, yeah. you know, every time I mess up on a meal, which is, I cook a lot. So, I don't know, once or twice a month, something sucks. Like, it just yeah. happens because I'm experimenting. I'm trying something new. It's like, I think about... The twenty twenty five dollars of ingredients I bought, yes, and then yeah. I like, oh my goodness, I could have taken that same twenty five dollars to eat, gone and gone out to eat, yeah. not have to do dishes, not have yeah. to do anything, yeah. and theoretically, because of better averages from the restaurants that do this every day, it would be a much better experience, yeah. right? Yeah. But then it's also the appreciation when you f up on something like the next time you have yeah. i mean even trader joe's but the next time you have joke pad thai you're gonna remember how hard <laughs> it was and yeah. how much time that you spent yeah. with crappy pad thai yeah. right yeah. that was something where yes yeah. you know something was obviously wrong with that equation might have been the experience the thai level of experience of yeah. that cooking instructor it might just be in the wrong ingredients and something got missed right but like that's what gives you respect for someone who can execute it on a on a consistent level and just trying opens you up like now i know what to ask like if i go to a thai restaurant or someone makes a great pad thai at home i can now ask like yo what did you do after this step because i did the steps that didn't work and now you can actually ask but if you don't have like a ground level that's what i'm excited about for 2020 is to just try more in the kitchen and also food is subjective sure you know and it's preference and so like what I like, you might not like. So yeah. just on that. And when cooking, you gotta, like for me with camera, with my photography, you have to practice every day to get better. Sure. If you don't practice, you won't know how. So I think just with that, with trying just to cook throughout the year or, or, or just practice every day or something, you get better. I, you know, for me in terms of my, my account, it's because of practice and become a passion. Mm-hmm. And so it's to be where I am. So without that, you know that 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 passion starting and learning how to use my camera and then became like you know uh, um, I keep practicing every day so that's why I enjoy what I do and it's just like with food itself for me like you were saying like you know you exp- you have to put out a lot of um, finance or capital for example to cook right because only two of you and to get better so I mean without that practice without that sacrifice you won't get better. You know, for us at the beginning of my account, we went out so much. And we also cook a lot, too, because we have to put that in. Now, you know, I do get right here and there. But a lot of time now, we, we also, like, um, decide whether is it better for me to cook at home or to go out to eat for just two people. So mm. it's about the same thing, right? Like you said, like $25 and buying ingredients. And then will you ever cook that again? 
right? That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah so we, we, we waver that all the time. Is it worth it for, a, you know, so if I cook, then he washes the dishes. <laughs> but then he gets mad because I cook and I shoot and then there's more dishes because. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because everything's gotta look good and yeah, you use a different yeah. plate. And I do a different plate, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and so like, where is it there's two, two of us and how come there's 50 dishes in, <laughs> in the sink? So, but you know, we, we waver the, in, in between that. But in the end, I, I, I do enjoy home cooking. I do enjoy bringing family together and, and, and doing that, so yeah. Rudy, Rudy from Food Bees, one of the co-founders, uh, described it in a way that has always stuck with me and mm-hmm. that to be a good cook you have to find your rhythm mm. in that if you're not cooking regularly yeah then you're always then you have to always shop for ingredients and you're like buying new spices yeah. which are yeah. expensive and then you're you're not applying any of like recently learned techniques because it's all brand yeah. new and then you're uh you know, the possibility for making an error is so high because mm-hmm. everything is brand new. You're not in a rhythm, and your new ingredients, mm. and then yeah. your palate isn't yeah. there for that yeah. dish, right? Yeah. So all those things together yeah. make it really difficult. But it's difficult. so cool though. It's so challenging. I love that. And so it's like, but the sacrifice you talk about is like, that's what develops the palate, right? Yeah. My mistakes, as much as I never want to make them again, yeah. is like, hopefully I don't make it again because I remember how bad that meal was was and I toned down the salt level yeah. or I don't add that ingredient on that level. But you will make it again. But and but but yeah, but yeah. it's the rhythm, but if I try it again it's going yeah. to get it going yeah. to get better. But I think for me if I fail at something I want to keep doing to like better it. Because I think I want to challenge myself like if I fail at that like there's something wrong, right? So how do I better that? And how mm-hmm. do I like get better on that aspect? Like if a dish like didn't work so I would be like, uh, okay, what did I do wrong? And so I want to challenge myself to do better next time. If it didn't work, then just shift it. But I don't want to. I don't want to quit on that part because I want to, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Before Before we wrap up, I wanted to get quickly from you. If you, this is kind of a, a dismal situation, but it's gonna be, just stick with me. Like if you had five five meals in the for the rest of your life, right? Mm. And you, what whether it's you cooking them or whether it's you going out like mm-hmm. what are what are the five essential meals that you would choose as as the only five you could have the only five the I only five have. yeah wow. like you like if you had to choose and it doesn't have to be the straight five but like what are the meals that you would stick with from what you cook and what you go out to eat uh Okay, so five really basic. For me, it would be my traditional Vietnamese food on the table with the three dishes. Um, my favorite is the sweet and sour fish sauce, mm. not f- a soup, um, the caramelized clay pot, mm. and the uh, stir-fried garlic anchoi. That's one. What, what, what is that? The stir-fried garlic on? It's a stir It's an anchoi. Uh, it's a morning glory. I don't know. It's like a... Kind of like a water spinach, but okay. Vietnamese. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, got that. It, got it. Okay. That would be one. Damn, uh, you cheated. You got all three in one. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. That's no, fine. You're making room for my pad yeah, that's a meal. Yeah, that's a meal. I got you. Yeah, because Vietnamese food is, we always have three dishes on, on the table. For, really? Yeah, for how I grew up. It's always a soup, a protein, and a stir fry. So you got the soup there, the protein's the fish, and the stir fry is that. So that's why when I cook for my family, it's always three dishes. Well, how pre- how prevalent is that across Vietnamese culture? Three, the three. 
Is that? I, I think it's very normal for me. I mean, growing up, my grandmother did it, my mom did it, so I bring it out on on for my boys. So, I mean, when you go to a restaurant, they when you order like a family meal, they give you that three portion, and you choose. That's a really cool way to think about dinner, actually. Yeah, because it, it now kinda, I'm not it, going to Vietnamese spot without. <laughs> I, normally, like I don't get like a rice, I get like my pho, and I just get the double XL. Oh size, no no you know okay mean? then we'll we'll go together we'll we'll go we'll yeah. show you how a traditional Vietnamese food is is served on the table cool yeah and then the other would be um, a steak I have to have steak okay, um, okay. How, well like what type of steak how how is uh, it prepared bone and ribeye yeah. yeah yeah medium rare with lots of butter yeah mm. and then um, pho okay and, and any specific pho like if you had to choose a pho like what what would it beef be pho. the beef pho yeah. yeah. And then um, beef that you make or that what you went somewhere to get. I like home homemade. Okay. Yeah, homemade. Um, and then bunsel for sure. Let's yeah. Go. Yeah. And uh, wow, um, that's basically mostly what I enjoy eating. I don't know anything that anything from a restaurant from a specific restaurant that you would be w- sad if you never tasted again. Yeah. Oh, I experienced an amazing one. Uh, it's not here in Orange County. It's okay. It's in uh, Roland Heights. It's called Yakia. It's a chef's tasting where you go in and it's just a fixed price and they'll bring out 13, 14 dishes of um, Wagyu meat or prime meat for you and they'll prepare at the table. Wait, it's 14 different dishes of yeah. Wagyu? Not that, well, a little bit of Wagyu here, but a lot of like prime meat. Oh yeah, wow. yeah! It's it's an amazing experience, and I was like, I was floored, and I was like, it's it's something that I want to like come back. Yeah, it's called Yakia. Yakia, yeah. Dang, yo, the Yelp reviews are popping. For this <laughs> spot. I already looked it up. Bookmark. Yeah, yeah, Yakia is really good. Yeah, oh, but that's that's basically what I I would enjoy this year. Yeah, I got one question that came in uh, from someone who knows we're doing this podcast. They asked. And we can we can close on it if we want. Yeah. Uh, what suggestions do you have for people that are older that want to get into content? That like I know you you kind of covered it a little bit. You talked a little mm. bit about your trials and tribulations, just mm-hmm. in terms of you know all three of your kids went off to school yeah. and that was like another jump start for yeah. you. But what suggestions do you have to people that might be start? They might be listening right now uh-huh. and are looking to either make a change or get into it. What do, what do you suggest? Into and the it, social media platform. Into social media or content oh. or maybe just some stuff that you learn that like you want to go after anything yeah i honestly think it's when you first start you have a lot of sacrifice um sacrifice um i would say the financial part is a lot because you know you're going out to eat you're buying stuff and and you have to be consistent Mm. um to and 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 i think from my page it's just the, the quality of it um, sometimes I'm not good at phone camera, so it doesn't work well with me. So I don't know. It depends on your prefer on, on the person preference, but it's the consistency and a lot of sacrifice. You have to be uh, on it all the time, and, and you got to make sure what your passion, what you aiming for, mm. what's your goal. I think back then my goal was to be better at my camera, so that's why um, I'm still learning. But that was my goal. And I didn't know now it it, it it transpired into something different, and and. You know, speaking at 28 this morning with, you know, all these women, and I was like, wow, I was so honored just to be there and and be in the space with them, which I did never think that I would be in 
uh, uh, in that space. Yeah. And it started with just a small goal. A small it was just goal, a just small learning goal. Camera. Yeah, yeah. And I think sometimes we forget, like, you know, like what do we want to do? And then sometimes we forget, like, how to pres- to pro- how say to go forth with it. Yeah. And so we kind of get lazy and we kind of put that on the hindsight but if you really want to do that you kind of stay focused and then once you stay focused it's amazing I never thought I would be able to be where I am because of that my one goal and now is really for me it's kind of like when I get down on myself or like you know um, when I have challenges I have to refocus back like you know you start from here that's where your focus is and you know you got to be be give myself that encouragement like okay just kind of you're at a space where it's kind of not working don't worry about it because you have grew from where you are and to where you're now it's it's something that um the inner um strength the inner talent that you had i never knew i would have this this talent because you know i i do to ministry at my church and i'm the least creative of all i don't know craft i don't know arts and for me to have this talent is is very rewarding is very eye-opening and so it's kind of like wow i'm gifted in this space and it's an honor to have this gift and so yeah it's fun if i learned anything it's like finding ways to contribute no matter how big or small and it started with you with one learning how to use your camera and two genuinely trying to contribute originally to benefit your children's lives giving them recipes they can do as they go away and if everything is coming from that authentic point the business can kind of find itself yeah yeah i I think it's i think in the end it's come from your heart Mm. you know i think it comes from um and you're right what what do you want to give because you're so blessed i feel so blessed i mean you know like you know we immigrated here and and you know my mom my parents gave us a, a, a whole education a life here and I just feel so grateful being able to be where I am. And, and I keep telling you and then the people I meet, honestly, OC Combassel is a huge blessing because um, I didn't know I realized I have the skill. I didn't know I have this talent. But yet through OC Combassel also, I feel that I'm able to help others that I use, um, kind of bad, but I use the leverage where I can ask for donation and if it can help people that, that are in needs. Yeah. So I when, when, when I reach out on that, I just feel like so... Um, I felt proud because you know being a mom would take care of three boys not a career mom but like you're doing something for yourself I felt really good on that and and when we did the um, the feeding of the homeless like Spartan Final was one of our, our big donors and I was like wow Spartan Final guys I mean this is the big dog you know yeah. and I feel like I'm just a small fish in the ocean I'm like and, and, and for me to see this aspect this new new platform of myself and, and for my my account is it it's mind blowing, and I'm I'm always grateful for that. Yeah, you have yeah. A, you have a lot to be proud of. We're proud. Of, we're just proud to know you too. So no, I'm I'm honored to be sitting here with you guys. Like whoa, because I was so I was fangirling when you guys were like when you did that. Uh, what's that? That that cheese festival news with the yeah, ooze festival ooze fest at the LA fairground. I have the first picture of you guys right at the gate way back then. Oh. It was that donut or something. Well, not the donut. Was it the donut? Oh, were we just, we were maybe throwing, like we were helping support the LA Fair? Was I don't that know. It? it was that OC Fairground. OC Fair. Yeah. Oh, like the giant Texas donut? No, um, it was it was a colorful donut. 
I don't remember what, but but a long time ago. Yeah, and I'm sitting here talking to you guys. I was like, oh my goodness, and then it's no, it's this. This is like a privilege for me just to be here with you guys. It's like, yeah. So I'm saying we just get to connect with our friends. I love no, it. No, seriously. <laughs> I yeah, love it. No, well, Connie, thank you guys. If you're not following OC Comestibles, oh make sure God. you do so. Instagram OC Comestibles. C O M M E S T I B L E S. Yeah. Dang, I was fired. <laughs> No yeah. double M, but yeah. yeah. No double M? No. Comestible is a French word. Like OC is Orange County, Comestible is French word for food. <laughs> My favorite part was you right, bragging guys. after that, after yo, misspelling yo. it. After, <laughs> it's like, it's like I, I like, hit that note. I was like, oh, that was fire. Yeah, yeah. My eyes lit up. Yeah, yeah. I, know. I was like, yeah, should I tell them now? Okay, yeah, I should because yeah. this audience will spell it wrong. Oh, no. <laughs> just check the check the description, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you guys are so cool. Thank you for having me. I loved it. Yeah. Thank you, Connie. You get it? Want to want to shout out? Yeah, guys. Thank you for listening and congrats to at mini baker supreme on instagram whoop, whoop. guys we read every comment every uh, review on the apple podcast or i won't read this whole one it's long but thank you uh, he says i don't remember how i heard about the catch-up i just remember hearing the intro and being majorly annoyed but somehow months later i look forward to the intro and i imagine myself part of the inner circle of food beast i feel like i'm one of the cool kids for once and i wish i worked for them hire me please it keeps going on hey you're one of the cool kids in our eyes so thank you for listening and hope you're hearing this right now dm where i'm gonna dm you from the food beast account so uh thanks for the kind words mini baker supreme uh we're gonna dm you and you're gonna get the, a free ketchup mug nice okay so uh if you didn't win you can buy your own on shop.foodbeast.com or leave a review on the apple podcast store you don't have to buy anything if you don't want to leave your instagram handle and you'll be entered into next week's giveaway chances are pretty good guys yeah it's pretty good actually <laughs> so do it guys and until next week this has been eli jeff connie Thank- mm. bye you guys bye, bye. <laughs>